0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, January the 5th, 2023, and I am joining you from Cashville, South Carolina. Uh, if you look at a map of South Carolina, it looks like a piece of pie. We're in the upper left-hand corner of that piece of pie in an area called the upstate of South Carolina. Technically, I'm in Spartanburg County, but I think I'm about three, year, three years, three miles from the Greenville County line, um, And my parents actually have a Woodruff, South Carolina address. Cashville is a little community, much as it is. It's in a an old Providence. Technically now there's a Stewart's Draft, uh, or not Stewart's Draft, Steele's Tavern address. Sorry, I can't keep my places straight. There's a Steele's Tavern address. However, it is the community of Spotswood. That's the same way here. It's a Woodruff address, but it's Cashville, South Carolina. Used to be nothing but peach orchards around here, and now there's Michelin and Bauch and Lam and houses and cars and a four-lane road, and, well, a lot of things change. but nevertheless, some things never do, like the Word of God. And we are grateful for that. In a world of shifting shadows, our God remains the same, and so we delight in Him. Where we're picking up today? As in John chapter 17, and we're going to conclude the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Again, I cannot stress the magnitude of John chapter 17. And what we learn about Jesus, again, it's his heart that's on display here. His his great desire for his disciples then, his great desire for all who would ever believe in him is revealed. And yesterday we saw what that great desire is. First, that great desire is that his people would be united together. Why? Two reasons. Number one, as we read yesterday, and if you didn't see it, go back and watch yesterday's devotional. But the first reason Jesus desires that we would be united is that our unity with one another. And I say our, I mean real followers of Jesus Christ. Our unity with one another points to Jesus's authenticity. Jesus said, the world will know that you sent me based on their oneness with one another. Okay. Um, Verse 23, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. So that's number one. And number two, Jesus wants us to be united because he says, again, I'll read it. Verse, this is John 17, verse 23. May they be brought to complete unity to one, let the world know that you sent me and have loved them too, even as you have loved me. So our unity shows Jesus's authenticity and God's love. That's why of all the things Jesus could pray for, he prays for this. And y'all, again, the timing of this is important. If your Bible has those nifty chapter headings that are not inspired, but can be very helpful, maybe yours says what mine says. I mean, look, I'm So we're at the end of John 17. You're not going to be able to see it. But at the beginning of 18, maybe you can. I don't know. It says Jesus arrested. You know what that means? It means that he's offering this prayer. Then he's going to depart and he's going to be arrested and he's going to be flogged. He's going to be beaten to the point that he's unrecognizable. He's going to stand trial. All these different things are going to happen. And then he's going to be crucified. And then on the third day, he's going to rise again. Then he's going to ascend back into heaven. So really, this is his last moments as a free man before everything takes place. And what is his focus? Well, it's on you and me. We could ask that same question, what was his focus throughout his ministry? And yet again, the answer is you and me. You know, how do we put into words the glory of this? How do we encapsulate in a few words the love of Christ? That he's God the Son with God the Father and the Spirit from all eternity. And he came on flesh, put on flesh, and he made his dwelling among us to save us. And we did nothing to earn it. In fact, the exact opposite. We were at enmity with God, and he saved us just the same. Oh, it's glorious, y'all. Now, that's what we covered yesterday. What we are finishing up today is his high priestly prayer. We've seen first that his desire is unity for all those reasons we just talked about. But he wants something else, too. And he asked God for it. And that's what we're going to pick up with today. But let's pray first and we'll dig in. Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. I thank you that technology works in different places and sometimes much better than at home. Um, But I pray that you would be with us in this time. Guide us. Help us to see your son and our Savior in a new light. Help us to understand his vast love for us in as much as it's possible. Because right now we will not fully but instead father help us to begin to grasp your love and in turn let us show that to others and we pray it in christ's name amen all right so john chapter 17 we're only doing a few verses today three verses verse 24 is where we're picking up now obviously jesus is still praying here right so we're reading the words of a prayer sorry clicking behind me here john 17 24 jesus prayed father I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. All right. Now, pause right there for a minute. We've talked about what Jesus wants. First, he wants us to be united, to point to his authenticity, to point to God's love. But y'all, aside from that, what Jesus wants is to be with us. Just prior to praying, I talked about the incredible nature of what our God has done. And this is, if it was just a person that did this, oh my goodness, if it was just just a man, just a woman that did this, th- there would be countless books written about him, all that kind of stuff. But we're not dealing with just a person here. We're dealing with the God of the universe. We are dealing, going back to John chapter 1, there wasn't a thing made that wasn't made through Jesus. He is the agent of creation. He's the light of the world that gives light and life. And what does he ask for? Revenge? No. Fulfillment? You know, if you knew you were about to die and you could ask for anything, would you ask to just be with somebody like you? (laughs) I'm going to be honest here, y'all. I know what I'm like to a certain extent. None of us really grasp the fullness of how sinful we are, right? But I am of the Spurgeon school of thought when he said, when a man speaks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are far worse than he thinks you to be. And I know that's the truth about me. So as I think about it, you know, we, We come up with these hypothetical scenarios, right? People say, oh, if you were going to eat your last meal, what would it be? And um, it it sounds morbid, but it really is fascinating. If you look at some of the last meals that were requested by people on death row, it just makes you think, wow, of all the things, why would they choose that? But nevertheless, we come up with these scenarios. Or if you won the lottery, you know, what would you do? And then, But y'all, this is not a scenario that Jesus is in. He knows what's coming. Remember, previously, he dismissed Judas Iscariot to go and betray him. Jesus knew. Don't ever think, especially as we move into the chapters that go ahead, right? Because we're going to get involved in some of the process here. Jesus knew the entire time what was going on and what was going to happen. And he never stopped. At any moment, he could have just snapped his fingers and angels would have consumed the earth because he's God, but he wouldn't do that because he wouldn't violate his nature, right? But but nevertheless, Jesus knew what was about to happen, and of all the things he could pray for, he prayed to be with you, and he prayed to be with me. He prayed to be with all those that the Father had given them, They're given him, excuse me. He said, Father, verse 24, I want those who you have given to me to be with me where I am, but not just that. He doesn't just want to be with his people. He continues, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. It's like Jesus started with in the high priestly prayer where Jesus says, I'm not going to be in the world any longer, but I'm coming to you instead. And he starts talking about this glory that he left behind and this glory that he is going to resume. Yet again, Jesus is pointing us to who he is. That he's not just a man, that he is God the Son in all of his perfection. And he continues, verse 25, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they, excuse me, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be. uh, Y'all, if you had to encapsulate why Jesus did what he did, if you had to put into one verse the whole point of everything, it's this, where Jesus said, I've come to make you known to the world, and not only to make you known, but to make your love known. But the only way this is possible is through him. Once again, Jesus does not point to a way, right? He doesn't point to some path to walk. He doesn't say, all right, now look, if you do these things, then you'll be good to go. He doesn't offer a list to follow. None of these things. No, no, no. Jesus offers himself because Jesus is the only way. It will only be through Jesus that you will know the love of God. Not surrounding Jesus, not not, not here and there and everywhere, not Jesus pointing to these things and you saying, ah, oh, yes, I understand this and I shall henceforth live in light of this. Mm-mm, no, it is through Christ, through being crucified with him, submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life being buried with him as you turn your life over to him. You know, the only way that Jesus's prayer will be accomplished here. You know, again, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's that last line that is so crucial to understanding what Christianity is all about. It's not just about a mindset. It's not just about an understanding. It's not about a system of belief that you say, oh, yes, I I subscribe to that. Like you might subscribe to charcoal over propane for grilling or, you know, like you might say, well, I like green tractors instead of red tractors or I root for UVA or I root for Virginia Tech. Christianity is not like these other petty things in life. The only way that Jesus' prayer is accomplished is in salvation, through being transformed with him and through him and in him, and trusting in him alone. And with this, Jesus ends his high priestly prayer. Chapter 18, verse 1, which is what we'll get to on Monday, it simply breaks from this scene and it says, when he finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. And then we find Judas, and everything starts rolling. Y'all, you know, the point for today, and I think the point of the structure of the high priestly Prayer. you know, it ends rather abruptly. You know, we, we don't see any niceties wrapped up at the end of it. There's nothing like that. Jesus is just done. And we're left to contend with it. And that's okay. It's a little uncomfortable how it is. And that's okay, too. I think that the way and the reason John, John 17 ends the way that it does is because we are meant to finish this prayer and to dwell on it. Considering Christ's sacrifice, all he did, and not only the torture that he was about to face in 18 and following, not only that, but him taking on flesh, making his dwelling among us, leaving the glory that he's talking about here. To a certain extent, we ought to process this and say, in light of all he has done, what are we to do? He's just told you. Remain in him. Trust in him bask glory in the love of God and make that love known to others. That's it. It's not complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. So as we end the high priestly prayer, examine yourself to make sure that you are in Christ. Because if you're not in Christ, you'll never know the love of God. You'll know God's mercy Certainly, and no, I don't mean heaven. I mean, the fact that if you know that you don't know Jesus and if you're drawing breath right now, it's only because of the mercy of God. Because y'all, when it comes down to deserve, we all deserve to be in hell with our backs broke at any given moment. So you may understand God's mercy or, or, or see God's mercy to a certain extent. You won't understand it, but you will not know and you will not understand God's love apart from Jesus Christ. So examine yourself. Do you know him? If you don't, turn to him today. If you do, are you living this out? Do the people in your life see the love of God in you? Do the people in your life see a desire for Christ's glory? You know, Jesus is asking to return to that glory. Do you desire that he would be glorified? Would you give him the glory or yourself? These are the hard questions. And again, I'm asking myself these questions too. But in light of what Jesus has done, in light of what Jesus is doing right now, in light of what Jesus will yet do, namely that he's coming back to take those that are not with him to be with him, these are important questions. So dwell on these things. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time that you've given to us. Please give us grateful hearts in light of what your son has done. Oh, Father, that we would be filled with the fullness of Christ, dwelling on him, seeking him first, and we pray it all in his name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back to not tomorrow morning, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and then Monday morning again at 7 a.m. We should be here. Um, I see we've got Christine. Good morning. And there's Elizabeth and the two Beckys. Good morning to you both. And there's my good friend, Wayne. All right. Lord willing, Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and then Monday morning at 7 a.m. Until then, I hope you all have a fabulous weekend.